Welcome to Leadership Wisdom Podcast, part of the cultural influencers from Christian International and Chantel Cooley Ministries. Here we discuss and share leadership lessons, stories, and experiences to help you move forward in life. Welcome to Leadership Wisdom Podcast. We are always excited to be with you, especially during these times where we think, you know what, you need some wisdom to add to your leadership. And we all are leaders of ourselves. Well, I have a special guest with us today that is actually the one who thought of the whole title of the podcast, Bishop Bill Hammond. Welcome. Oh, it's a joy to be here today, Chantel. Uh, it's exciting knowing that we got a chance to share the truth with God's people and bless them and help them, especially in these challenging times. Well, we've been with each other quite a bit. Uh, you're in your studio, your home, or you're at your church, and I'm at my home. And uh, what have you been doing lately? Uh, making Zoom meetings with the prophets and <laughs> podcasts and, and <laughs> doing forwards for books that people want me to do forwards for and, and trying to catch up to where I can get some work done around my house, but I haven't had a chance yet. <laughs> it'll, it'll happen yet. You're still, you know, it's really interesting. We're still, it's busy. We're just doing it through social media. Yeah, yeah, we are, we are preaching just as much and ministering just about as much. But, but it's a joy of the Lord. We who are ministers, we wouldn't feel happy if we weren't flowing, growing, going. <laughs> yeah. I, I was thinking about today, sharing with us, um, with the people, Something that I think was very foundational if you're going to prosper as a Christian and business person. And that is, in fact, I guess it would be almost any profession, but you must know it's the will of God. And, the, the, and there's a scripture in First John uh, chapter 5, verse 14 and 15, it says, And this is the confidence that we have in Christ, that if we ask him anything, anything, according to his will, he hears us. And, and when we know that if he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we, we know that we have the petition that we desired of him. So if you know it's the will of God for what you want, then you give confidence to ask God for it. That if you ask, you have confidence that God's going to put it, grant your petition because you know you're asking according to what God desires, what God wills, and what's approved to come. And I, you know, I wrote the book on the eternal church way back in 78 to 81, it came off the print. And I did the restoration of the church, did the history of the church. And, and what we, when you see the progression over the years of attitude toward money, attitude toward prosperity, there was a teaching back in the old Dark Age church that the monastic orders of the Catholic Church taught that if you wanted to get pleasing to God, close to God, you had to beat yourself. They had to call this flagellation where they take actually whips and beat themselves, had to fast, pray. And the more miserable you were and the poorer you were, the more spiritual you could become. So that developed an attitude, was in the Catholic Church, in all the monastic orders, they went through that. Then in 1200, there was a group called the Poor Men of Lions. And um, they went about the nations around, around the country in old, old clothes, and, um, and they w didn't take anything, was to eat off the land. And because they had to be poor. And if they could be poor and they gave away all their money to the people, and they thought the poorer they were, the more spiritual they became. And this kind of became a subconscious thinking, even clear of the Pentecostal churches. I mean, from the Protestant holiness right on up. And then I, I know when I came into Pentecost in 1950, uh, that, was, that was before years on this earth, wasn't it? 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in 1950, when I got saved and came down, I started riding my horse five miles to Bonsville, Oklahoma, where I started attending a little Pentecostal church there. My religious background was American heathen, so I didn't know a thing about church, Bible, God, heaven, hell. It was all brand new to me. But these people rejoiced, praised God, but they kind of had the attitude, the poorer you were, the more miserable you were, the more spiritual you were. And everything was a sin but breathing. That had to be done in church to be sanctified. You know, I mean, yeah, women had to have, wear long sleeves, long dresses, long hair. Had, some of them had long tongues, you know. And this, <laughs> they went through. And so it, the thing was, it's poor. So when I, when I had to go in the business world for a while, believe in God for prosperity, I had to really battle through. I, re I read all the thinking, grow rich, and, and all these books um, on positive thinking, and 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 one by by Stone that wrote about positive success to a positive mental attitude. And I read all of these books, but I realized my root problem was that I wasn't convinced that God wanted me to prosper, you know, and so. <clears throat> I had to go, so I had to start praying and looking at that, and then I started reading books, and I realized that I was trying to do all this positive confession and positive this, but in my heart, I wasn't convinced God wanted me to prosper. And so until I got that straightened out and got delivered from the idea that poor and miserable is spiritual and rich and blessed is unspiritual, and I realized that I saw a lot of wealthy people that were humble, and I saw some poor people that were proud. You know, now realize that your financial status didn't determine your spirituality, your attitude toward God, your revelation, and your knowledge did. So I realized it's God's will. Then Or Roberts about that time started teaching Third uh, John 2, where said, God says, I would that you were in health and prosper, even your soul prospered. And then Kenneth Copeland and Kenneth Hagin and those came along and started teaching on the laws of prosperity and prosper and confession and all and all this, and then I was in a I was in a sales program about that time. I, my wife had got real sick and I had to stop traveling ministry, so I got a job and I was selling insurance. And of course, I didn't believe in insurance because I thought Jesus was going to come and I'd never die. So, <laughs> so but I was preaching. I was selling it to other people, and um, but they, they 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 gave me these principles. You got to see it, believe it, think it, all of that. And it wasn't working for me until one day I realized that I you can't. I wrote a book on psycho cybernetics, which is um, by Maxwell, and he, he was a plastic surgeon, and he said that he would t fix people's noses or ears, or you know that they felt I got a big nose, I'm ugly, I got big ears, I, my mouth's not straight. He'd fix it, and they'd still soak in the mirror and see the same person, and he realized the plastic surgery helped them, but they didn't change their mind. He said, so you can change it outwardly, but if the mental is still the same, you can't rise any, you can't really rise any higher than your self-image of yourself. So I realized I was quoting all this, I was practicing all of this, but I hit this roadblock, this ceiling of my self-image, that God's, wasn't God's will me to prosper, I was supposed to be a lowly, poor preacher, <laughs> and not a wealthy person. And so, Finally, when I read that, you can't rise any higher than your self-image. And if your self-image is to be poor, you're a nobody. God doesn't care whether you have anything. And really, it's more the will of God that you suffer 
and be in misery and poor than it is to be healthy and happy and blessed and prosperous. So it took me a few years, but I finally made that transformation. Then I studied the scriptures and found out some of God's most famous men that he used in the Bible, like Abraham was rich, uh, David was rich, David left billions of dollars for the building of the temple, and then Solomon, of course, was the richest, famous man of all. And and, so, and I know a lot of the men, uh, business people we're talking to out there have a religious background, and they may they may subconsciously still have that teaching or impression. I don't know if the church ever said that you need to be poor and miserable, but they just conveyed that somehow or another. They transferred that. So when I realize it's God's will that I prosper, then if I know it's His will, then I know that He hears me. And if I know that He hears me, then when I pray for prosperity or pray for a blessing, then I can get it because I'm asking in faith and confidence. So I think it's so essential that we help the uh, Christian business people out there believe that God wants them to prosper and be in health. I know you had to come to that place that God wants us to prosper. We weren't called to be poor. We weren't called to be uh, hindered and, and almost going to bankrupt and things being repossessed. And That's not God's will. It may be a process or training we went through for a while, but it's not God's will. And so when you got delivered and put your faith to work, you started rising and built the university. And, and a lot of our business people out there trying to believe God, trying to work God. You know, last time I talked to you, I talked about trying to be a successful businessman, God's ways, and not the world's ways, but so it's like a car that runs on gas, and you're going to run it with gas, so your kingdom ways and God's ways is the gas engine, but then after a while, you see what the world's doing, well, they did this, and they got them rich, and they did that, but it's not quite honest, it's a little bit crooked, a little bit deceiving, but it helped, so I could do that. So that's diesel. So when you take God's ways to prosper, and you try to mix the world's ways, uh, you know, they're a lot the same. There's a lot the same principles. And you start mixing diesel in your gas engine, you're going to clog, clog it all up. It's going to get out of time, and you're going to find your business is falling apart. Well, that's the same way with doing it God's way and God's plan and God's purpose and doing it with confidence that God wants you to prosper. And if you're a businessman, then God's given you administrative ability to administrate that business. To, to fulfill that business. Just like if, if I had to call somebody every day to ask him, what should I preach Sunday? <laughs> you know, if my son had to call me every week and say, Dad, what do I preach this Sunday? Well, I'd say, son, I don't think you're called to preach. <laughs> if you're called to preach, you you got to preach in you, and you'll have a creative ideas, and you'll have ways of getting a message and be able to deliver it. And so we got to be convinced. You know, it, it's so important. In fact, faith is the assurance or the conviction of the things we hope for. It's that faith. And so I want the business people that are being Christian. God wants you to prosper. He wants to give you creative ideas. He wants to give you favor with God and man. He wants to make a way where there seems to be no way. Tom, Jane, and I are doing communion once a day, and we pray for people over the over the whatever we're doing, something electronic. And... Uh, and we prayed for this one business, and they was, didn't know how they were going to pay their bills. We prayed and agreed. Next day, supernatural money came in as they would pay their employees and be able to move on ahead. But we, we've got to get people to believe that God's involved in your business. God's involved in your daily life. So many, you know, the old Church of Christ used to teach 
that God's only concerned about the spiritual. He doesn't believe in healing. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't interested in your prosperity because your body's going to go back to dust. He's only interested in your spirit to go to heaven. But God's interested in the whole man, body, soul, and spirit. And when we realize that God's interested in us, then we can get faith. And uh, I just sense there's several out there that I'm talking to right now that this is the word they need to hear. They need to get the confidence and the faith. God is for me. God's called me to this business. He's given it to me. And this devil's trying to take it away. And I, I'm not I operating the right way. And I'm not convinced God's going to help me. But you got to come to that personal relationship with Jesus Christ that you know he loves you. He's for you. He's not against you. Remember, Jesus was a businessman 30 years before he was a preacher. <laughs> Realize that Jesus was their general contractor. Uh, historians tell us that Joseph, his stepfather, died when Jesus was 15 years old. Now think about this. A 15-year-old, the father dies. He's been trained in the business because the Jews trained their son, oldest son to take over the business. He's 15 years old. His father dies, and now he's left with the response of being the man of the house and being the provider, and he's got his mother to take care of and six brothers and sisters. So that's eight of them. He's got eight, a family of eight. So he had to take over the business of, of carpentry and masonry that his dad was trained him in and probably hired his younger brothers. The Bible said he had four brothers and gives their names in, uh, I believe it's um, uh, Luke 6 something. And so so he had, so for 15 years, from 15-year-old to 30-year-old, he was a general contractor working with people of all sorts. And in the masonry carpentry business, those are not sweet little gentlemen. They're rough characters sometimes. I mean, he had to deal with some quite a few people. He had to deal with family business. He knows what it's like to work in a family business. He had his brothers and sisters working with him. And so you got to realize he was a businessman for 15 years, a preacher for three years. So he really understands the business person. And he understands business. He understands payroll. He understands hiring people. He understands what you do with workers. That I'm sure he had to fire a few people that he had hired that didn't do right, that tried to cheat him or steal stuff from the, uh, from the company. You know, so we need to know that Jesus understands. Jesus knows. The Bible says he was suffered and he was tempted and he was expo exposed to every experience in human life. The only one I was, when I was writing my book, uh, Chantel, on the, uh, your highest calling, I mentioned in there that when I first started pastoring, I was 19 years old. And uh, I, I, I got married at 21. When I got married, I inherited a mother-in-law. And this mother-in-law was, she, before I got married to her daughter, she was spiritual. She'd, I'd give message in tongues. She'd give message in tongues. I'd give interpretation. We'd cast devils out of people together. I mean, we were just a pair working together. But in the, but once we got out of the spirit into the natural, it was like rubbing cat's fur backwards in the dark night and the sparks flew. And, and, and then I would win the young people to the Lord and then she'd go preach at them and say, you don't need to do this. You're going to go to hell if you keep smoking and, and eat them on. And she'd offend them and drive them away. So she drove them away as fast as I could get them in. Then she felt she had to mother me and because she was saved when she was, uh, I think she was seven years old, filled with the Holy Spirit. She was 39 and I was 21, you know. And uh, I, she had about 16 years of Christian experience. I only had four. So she felt she had to, to instruct me and kind of 
be quarterback pastor me, you know, and she would just frustrate me to no end. And, uh, and uh, so finally I went to the Lord and said, Lord, that woman's driving me berserk. You got to do something. Can you change her? And finally Jesus told, spoke to me and said, well, it looks like y'all got a personality clash. Do you, do you want me to make you like her? Or her like you. I thought, oh God, don't make me like that woman. <laughs> She's a mess. And then he said, you know, I love her just like she is. I said, how can you, God? Did you ever wonder how God can love some people you can't stand, even though they're Christian? They're just obnoxious. They got crude, rude, or they're just, they just rub you fur the wrong way. And, uh, and then, uh, but I said, Lord, my mother-in-law, she, she's just a problem to me. And the Lord said, I understand. And I thought, no, you don't. You never had a mother-in-law. <laughs> now, I said, said he experienced every experience we have to go through, but he didn't have a mother-in-law. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, but, he, but he did work and, and labor. And, and, I, and, and I used to wonder, God, why did you let Jesus, from 15-year-old to 30-year-old, seemingly waste his time working in the business world when he could want millions to God if he made him a boy wonder preacher? I didn't understand. In that days, I didn't understand what I do now. But God said it was making him a man. And the Lord wants to make the man before the ministry. And God's as interested in the, your business life as much as your church life. Now, that's hard for some of the grass. But if you believe that God listens to you and is concerned about you and the business as much as he is the preacher in the pulpit, you know, and, and you, your faith would rise and you'd believe, okay, God, uh, this is my ministry, this is my business, this is my life, this is my calling, this is my work. So now, Lord, I know you're with me, and as you, you blessed Jesus, trusted the Father, like you blessed Joseph, like you blessed Abraham, like you blessed David, you want to bless me. And when you get that confidence, you're going to have faith to believe for the miraculous, faith to believe for the breakthrough, faith to believe for that. I know they've heard your testimony and my testimony and some too, but you know, you had to come to that place that God, I, we, what we're going through is not us. You have called us to be successful. You've called us to accomplish. And I'm just, and, and so you had to start confessing that and decreeing that, didn't you? Yes. And, and I like what you said about the, the first John five verse 14 in the amplified bishop. This is what it says. So see what you think about this. This is the remarkable degree of confidence which we as believers are entitled to. Entitled That's a key. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, we both, we felt like the reason we've made it is we felt entitled that there's no way we cannot be successful if we meditate on the word day and night because Joshua 1.8 says that. Right. So if you stand on the word and the word, Jesus is the word made flesh. He said, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the Word was God. And then verse 12 says, the, and, the, and the Word was made flesh. You know, I was with them. This, this might encourage some of them, because I know some of the people have a hard time hearing from God. And they say, Lord, talk to me. Lord, talk to me. I was with my son, Tim, who's now 63 years old. But I went with him when he, joined, when he went to college. He was taking a test. And I stayed at the dorm, because I couldn't help him with the test in French. And so I stayed in the dorm. And I was praying. I said, oh, God, talk to me. Lord, talk to me. I needed a miracle. I needed God to move in a mighty way. And the Lord, and the Lord said to me, he said, open my mouth and I'll talk. I said, open your mouth and you'll talk. And then he told me, open my mouth and I'll talk. Open the Bible and I'll talk. That's my word. You want to hear my word? My word's right there. And if you open your Bible 
and God start reading and looking through, God will cause a scripture to jump out at you that says that they see that. But don't just try to do this thing, you know, put your finger down on, Lord, whatever my finger hits, that's your word to me. This one person, God was trying to grow him up and mature him out of that, and so he had to break him. And so the guy puts his finger down on her scripture and said, and Judas went out and hung himself. And so, oh God, another, another scripture, what y'all do is do quickly. So that broke him up having to go with a finger. <laughs> the Bible says, study, study, study to show yourself approved, rightly dividing the word of truth. So thank God for the word. We can stand on the word. Amen. Well, we've got just a few minutes left. Why don't you, if you feel led to pray, especially over those in the leadership that are in leadership for confidence, like there's so much, um, the enemy tries to take our identity and our confidence away. We could be presidents, vice presidents, pastors, whatever it is. And I see it out there. And I know you do too, where the enemy, he, we have the titles, but we don't have the confidence that we need to know who we are in Christ. Yeah. He tries to bring intimidation tries to convince you're nobody and your failure. He magnifies all your weaknesses and imperfections. But Jesus loves us and wants to prosper. So right now, Father, I speak in the name of Jesus and your words have life. You say we minister not only the word, but we minister life and your spirit. So I minister spirit of confidence, spirit of faith. Lord, release the revelation to each one right now that Jesus called me to this job. God's put me on this in this business. The Lord gave it to me, and I, I have the same contact, same relationship with God as a pastor does with his church, and God's going to give me wisdom, God's going to give me direction, and God's going to meet my needs. Right now, in Jesus' name, I rebuke that spirit of unbelief and that spirit of the devil comes in to accuse the brethren and to tear you down and say, you're not smart enough, you're not mature enough, or you, you made mistakes, and, and I just remove all of that, give them that confidence 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 this is the confidence we have in him so lord we decree the confidence of god within each one and they'll move rise up don't just worry and fret and try to figure out how to pay the bills and agonize you got to do some thinking but not that kind of thing get in the word read the word meditate on the word until that word comes alive because faith comes by hearing hearing by meditating on the word thinking on the word and let god be true and everything else a false reputation stand again as i said before on romans 3 where it says, let god be true and god says he loves you he says you have confidence and he has confidence in you and he's going to see you through and you're going to make it victoriously hallelujah in jesus name receive the confidence right now Amen. We receive that and believe it, decree it, accept it. And again, the scripture, you've got to go look the scripture up. I'm thinking of memorizing the one that you just mentioned. It's first John five, 14 and 15, and that we have the confidence and we have to know that we're entitled to that confidence. Thank you, Bishop. It's been powerful today to be with you. Good to be there. And we're just praying for all that listeners that we're going to hear testimony after testimony, a breakthrough of new confidence of how they take new steps of faith. And we're going to hear testimony after testimony of how the word of the Lord is working miracles for God's people. Amen. Amen. All right, we'll see you next time. For more information on Christian International, visit christianinternational.com. And for more information on Chantel Cooley Ministries, visit chantelcooley.com.